0: Here we go podcast coming at you from the Here we go studios in lovely Dallas, Texas.
1: I got a lot of things to talk about, but the first thing is I've just sent you a text message.
0: What? Oh, I would like you to
1: read out that word that I just sent you. But pause, think about it. Have you ever, like, you're, like, reading an article or you're reading a book or you're just reading anything, and you come across a word that, like, is a completely normal, average, boring, run-of-the-mill word. and Like then you dog? S- I think fam- a famous one is the word bowl. And
0: bowl. you look
1: at it, and for some reason, you don't know why today happens to be the day that that word seems strange to you. But today, the word I just texted you seemed strange to me. So I would like you to read out how you'd pronounce that very normal standard word.
0: I would say cleanliness.
1: Okay, cleanliness. I agree. But when I was looking at this word, the word is not spelled cleanliness. It is spelled cleanliness. So are we mispronouncing this word?
0: No, I think that's the English language for you.
1: Are you sure? And it's not like a Southern Twang thing.
0: Have you tried Googling it?
1: I haven't, because we're talking about it on
0: this <laughs> Let's let's see what Google says when you do it. I think Siri would say clean eyeness." But I think Google would say cleanliness.
1: Clean eyeness. Wait, wait. I may be able to have it re. I like pronounce. Wait, ready? Help myself. Yeah. Line.
0: Cleanliness. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the show, the un unsolved show. Is it unsolved?
1: Like BuzzFeed unsolved? Yeah,
0: BuzzFeed unsolved. Right. That's like it the rem-
1: paranormal ghost yeah, hunter show.
0: Yeah, the paranormal ghost hunter show unsolved. Having having Google pronounce a word like that makes me think of the little like scanner thing where it's scanning through and all of a sudden it's like half of a word that is caught because you're randomly scanning radio stations and then they say oh this is what it is Right, right but it's like right. <laughs> <laughs> cleanliness <laughs> <laughs> Man, right, right, right. if a ghost said cleanliness to me i'd be like you know what i we
1: should clean this haunted do, house do
0: i agree with you Is this place cleanly, or are you saying... Cleanly?
1: See, that's definitely not a word. Uh,
0: I don't know. Maybe it is.
1: I can't look it up, because then it loses my place.
0: Is this a clean house, or do I need to clean it?
1: All I'm saying... Which one are you
0: asking me, Mr. Ghost?
1: All I'm saying is, if you look at how the word is spelled, it looks like it is spelled cleanliness, but we pronounce it clean which goes to show that English is, in fact, a difficult language to learn because we got some weird words.
0: So I'm playing the, this game. A lot of people are playing it. It's called Wordle.
1: What? What's that? I've it's never heard of it. It's a game
0: where you get six guesses to guess a five-letter word. But I'm not going to try and explain the game. You did fine. Most people understand it. I've noticed that there are One, there are a lot of words I don't know that I'm just randomly guessing words because of the way that it works. And the other thing is that sometimes I spell a word and similar to cleanliness or similar to bowl, I look at the word and I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. And then I realize other words that I think are spelled, I am way off on.
1: Truthfully, I'm not good at word puzzles, like crossword. If I, if someone kidnapped you and the only way that I could get you back is if I solved a crossword puzzle, you'd be screwed. There'd be like no way I'd be able to save you. I'm so bad at that stuff.
0: I am very similar. I would say if somebody said you have to solve the wordle correctly, I would feel confident because so far I have a 98% success rate.
1: But could you spell it? correctly on one try
0: that is literally guessing
1: okay so what's the percentage of like what's the how what are your odds
0: it depends on how many five-letter words there are in the in the world well really it's not it's how many five-letter words are within the wordle rotation
1: is it not the same as like because because new york times bought it right yeah. So I would think that whatever the crossword five letter words are, it will be the wordle words.
0: No. No.
1: There's a different wordle bank.
0: The New York Times, I think, are are partially reader submitted crosswords.
1: I don't think that's accurate. Because I watched it because I watched a YouTube video of like where they had Uh, the, one of the writers for the New York times
0: crossword puzzle. So I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack on that answer a little bit and say that it is not computer generated.
1: Oh no, no, no. It's people made for sure. Yeah. But I'm sure they have like a bank somewhere where they're like,
0: like the dictionary. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you just want to open the dictionary and start pulling out words, I guess, I guess that's where the word comes from. Do you remember
1: like five, six years ago, there was that phone app that we all had on our phones were literally like every day at the same time, we all got on our phones and played a game show where we thought we could win actual money, which I guess they did give away actual money, but like it was impossible to win. Yeah.
0: Like IQ trivia or something. Yeah.
1: That's what it was called.
0: I don't think that's what it was called. Something similar.
1: Something similar. Gosh, what a time to be alive.
0: I remember way back then there were people who were coding ways to cheat the system.
1: That on that on HQ trivia?
0: Yeah. So if you if you had a fast enough computer and good enough like voice recognition, then you could have that trivia like speaking into Google.
1: Oh, spinning out the trivia. The way he was
0: reading it, and you had like ten seconds to answer. Right. And it could get an answer within like seven seconds. Wow. And this guy. I mean, maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't, but he was showing that he at least was acting like he could get all the answers before timer ran out.
1: Whatever happened in that game? I'm lo- trying to look it up.
0: I think it failed because they could never monetize.
1: No, oh.
0: People got sick of losing. How? I
1: have so many questions, but we don't have... There is a YouTube video that just popped up that said the dumpster fire downfall of HQ Trivia. Oh, good. If you want to watch a 50, 20 minute video on it.
0: You know what I kind of don't like about HQ Trivia? What? I never liked the host. And now the host is a podcast host for one of the Morning Brew podcasts.
1: Okay, what a perfect segue, because my next topic is a story from The Morning Brew.
0: Oh, good. I haven't read The Morning Brew in so long. Oh,
1: okay, perfect. This is one of the first ones I've read in a really long time, so I picked up where you dropped off. Are you ready for this? I'm not happy about it. Tell me. Disclaimer. This is The Morning Brew. It's a daily email that gives you like news updates. If you want to sign up...
0: I will send you my link. Yeah,
1: let Joe get the referrals from you, so let us hook you up.
0: I am two referrals away from getting a mug.
1: Which is dumb, because you're currently wearing sweatpants with the morning morning, brew on it.
0: But just a little bit more about their whole swag referral program. I don't actually care about getting their swag, except for the pants. The pants I was all in on. Everything else, I just... I really like their newsletter, and it's one of the only newsletters that I read consistently. And I
1: would say that... I would argue that it's pretty unbiased.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I would agree. So
1: if you just want to get the tidbits of news without the fluff, but maybe like with a little because they are pretty funny. Like there's a couple They're things funny in it. The, whoever is writing it, just, you could just tell it's has Neil, a sense of humor. I, I don't. Maybe know. he's editor. Neil in Robinson, chief. my brother-in-law. And Neil
0: Friedman. Wow. The names are in the.
1: This, in like it. I said, I haven't looked at this stuff in months. But are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. The Amazon of space will be Amazon. Space Race 2.0, or the Battle to Become the Internet King, is heating up. Yesterday, Amazon announced a massive multi-billion dollar investment in its satellite internet service. Project Cooper, Amazon's answer to SpaceX's Starlink, secured up to 83 launches in the next five years to ferry its proposed fleet of more than 3,000 satellites into orbit. If completed, the satellite constellation would provide broadband internet service to consumers businesses and government agencies. Here's here's my spiel. I don't feel comfortable with private companies monetizing space. I just don't see any like that just seems like the beginning like the origin story of every sci-fi movie you've ever seen in your life. I don't see anything good out of this. I don't see anything good about having a because like they're not the only ones who are trying to do how many satellites are we going to have in orbit? Like that's going to cause major problems. What happens if a satellite has a malfunction and then somehow, you know, falls to Earth and kills? Them? That's going to be a global lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> Joe's not in on. You're not in. You're excited about so, this.
0: So let me let me quell your fears. Okay. There was a Chinese satellite that did lose connection and came tumbling back down into Earth. Nobody got hurt. I'm
1: not worried pretty about sure. getting hurt. Pretty you, sure you don't even know.
0: I'm pretty sure nobody got hurt. You just said you that I was, was one saying, of your fears.
1: It was not a fear of mine. I'm just saying the implications for private businesses to monetize space are great. Like I think it should be a government only. I do not think we should introduce capitalism into the universe. I just don't think that will end well. It sounds dicey to me, especially when you when you start like throwing in commercial like space travel. I just don't know, guys. I don't think that's a like let's keep that Pandora's box closed. We don't need to open that box.
0: I agree with the space travel. I think that is not the best use of resources when it comes to monetizing space as you put it satellites have already been satellites have been monetized for for almost as long as there have been satellites so there are private besides SpaceX and besides Amazon there are private company satellites out there that either collect data, collect...
1: 3,000 of them?
0: There are a lot of satellites. Let
1: me see if I can look at that number.
0: Yeah, there are very, very many satellites out there. The funny part about this is that the Morning Brew did an article a few months ago about space junk when the Chinese satellite was coming back down to Earth. Really? Yeah, and it was talking about how many satellites there were and and how it is kind of getting more crowded but you have to you have to realize a satellite is is the size of like a Volkswagen bug
1: Oh wait well I just looked it up and as of September of last year there were only 4500 satellites in space Amazon is adding 3000
0: and how many has SpaceX added
1: Let me just read these uh, the rest of the article last year when NASA awarded a 2.9 million contract Sorry, a $2.9 billion contract to SpaceX Blue Origin sued the agency but lost. In response to the challenge, Musk tweeted, can't get it up to orbit, LOL, about Bezos. That's uh, funny. Bezos has also criticized the idea of living on Mars, central to SpaceX's vision for the future, saying living on Mount Everest would be a paradise in comparison. Amazon and Blue Origin will have some catching up to do, though. Starlink has already launched around 1,900 satellites and has about 250,000 subscribers.
0: That's a lot of satellites.
1: That's what I'm saying. This is a lot of satellites. Like, that's a lot. Like, I guess, here's my question. Do we have regulations on this stuff?
0: Yes. There are plenty of regulations on That makes me feel
1: better. Because I just don't... I mean, I don't... We are watching... A show on Amazon called The Expanse, which honestly, I don't even know if I would recommend it because it's kind of dull, but it's interesting to some degree. Some futuristic sci-fi, whatever, Earth still exists. There are no aliens. You don't even have to worry about thinking about them. But we've colonized Mars and then we've colonized some like asteroid belt because we're looking for water and like a common theme in the show is how Earth, what's... Earthlings? Are we Earthlings?
0: There's Earth, I guess there's Martians, them... right. and then there's but they Belters. But Earthers, right? Yeah.
1: The Earthers stripped Earth of, like, they trash Earth and then they moved to Mars and trashed it and they just keep doing that. That's truly my fear. It's like, we need to focus all of our attention on cleaning up the mess that we've made here. I don't understand why we continue to look elsewhere as like an alternative. Like, why don't we just focus on what we have that already works instead of spending billions and billions of dollars on doing stuff in space and or the potential, you know, living on Mars thing. I just think it's like a, I don't trust these companies to do anything better. Like if we're going to screw up Earth, surely we're going to like trash Mars too.
0: I just have one, one comment on everything you're saying. I'll allow it. You're sounding an awful lot like Jeff Bezos, who has trashed moving to Mars and who is also trying to put up satellites to then ultimately make internet more available to people and who has also thrown however much money at the Amazon Climate Pledge Fund to decarbonize what could arguably be one of the largest influential companies in the world. Okay, I want to, this is not Amazon. the topic
1: that I was planning on talking about, but I would like to ask two clarifying questions To yes. you, which I honestly don't even know if you have any answers. Yes. One, I would love to see the percentage of money compared to what he just takes home for himself that he's actually giving to good causes. As I And as much as I love Bill Gates, like the man has a bazillion dollars and really, all these millionaires give very small percentages of their income to good causes. So I'm, all I'm saying is he could probably do more. But secondly, is the whole point of sending these satellites into space to give Internet to people who do not have access to Internet? Is, are you telling me that this is a goodwill, let's help humanity situation? Because all I've seen is this is how can I make more money situation.
0: So the, the amount of money that is being given to good causes, that I don't know, but I'm sure there is some watchdog group who, I,
1: yeah, right. who I could probably already it.
0: knows and you can calculate the percentage. As far as the capitalism versus goodwill, I like to think that there is a level of both in there because yes, their primary goal is, is going to be to make money. But using satellite internet is a way to get people who currently don't have internet a way to get it.
1: Right. But will it be free?
0: No, I'm sure it won't be free, but it will be an opportunity to get internet. And I'm sure it's not going to be crazy astronomical. There, I'm sure, will be some level of subsidies.
1: Because I'm thinking of like, and again, this is not the topic I was planning on talking about, but... um. Like, are we trying to get internet to that African village in the middle of the Sahara? Or are we trying to get internet to like people living under the poverty line in Dallas, Texas, whose kids have to go to the public library to finish their homework and they can't do it at home because they don't have internet?
0: I think we're targeting more the rural Alaskan village that is below the poverty line, but is also...
1: So you're saying it's like an in-between of the Sahara and yeah, like it's,
0: It is not, probably is not the groups that at this point probably don't care about having internet. Like they have their traditional way of life and they are happy with it and things are going okay. But as far as like helping urban impoverished groups, I think of more something like Google Fiber is where... People are trying to reach the impoverished communities in urban city centers.
1: And I guess that just shows like how I don't understand internet. How I understand it is internet companies can charge whatever they want for internet. Like I don't understand how adding more satellites is going to make internet less costly and more readily available.
0: The way that it is going to make it more readily available is that similar to the idea of Dish network television and cable television. The Dish, the common old commercial was like, oh, whenever there's a storm, your Dish goes out and you don't get TV. So like a satellite is kind of like a Dish where it is flying around and it can send you internet wherever you're at. Like as long as it can see you, it can ping internet information and send it down to you even if you're in the middle of nowhere with no physical landline connection. Whereas right now for our internet, there is a physical line that goes from a receiver box outside on a telephone pole that ultimately comes and gets plugged in through our house.
1: But if we have more satellites, we won't need that plug-in.
0: I'm saying if if there were more satellites, we would have an option. But if there's more satellites then that rural village in Alaska will be able to ping the satellites more frequently. So they wouldn't have outages when there aren't satellites in view.
1: I feel a little bit better about it, but I just don't see this going well.
0: I don't know how much they're going to charge for it, but I would imagine that part of the idea is globalization. And if you want to be positive about globalization... Then you look at that as being an opportunity for more learning, more collaboration, and ultimately a moving forward and bettering of society.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: If you want to be negative about it, you think about Skynet.
1: I just keep thinking, and we've talked about that one of our earliest podcasts. I, all I can think about is the singularity of like where technology just becomes too, like AI becomes too human like. I just, the tech, this is what's funny. I never like to use the words. I'm not fearful of it, but I prefer to have a healthy relationship with technology. Like we do not have like Amazon Echoes or whatever they're called in our home. We do not have smart watches. I feel like we try to like have technology because like we see the benefits of technology. But I think there are just certain things that we just don't, you know, it's just add-ons. They're not necessarily like truly... Filling a need, they're feeling like a perceived need. So this is one of those things where I'm like, is this an, a legitimate need? Like, because like if, if there's like children in Alaska who need internet to like get a better education, I'm all for the extra three thousand satellites in space. But if this is just so a bunch of like kids in LA can have faster smartwatches, like I don't really think like the cost outweighs the benefit here. Yep. So I guess yeah, the only time it- will tell.
0: Yeah. I think only time will tell. And to your point about not having all these gadgets and gizmos, I agree. I think a lot of it adds in, it adds in more complexity. And in some ways, I think that that ultimately translates into more distraction, like having an Apple watch and using that for the purpose of specifically being healthier That I could understand, but having an Apple watch so that you don't have to pull out your phone when you get a text message or so that you can hold your wrist up to your mouth to text somebody back, that's kind of, kind of useless. And
1: I want to play devil's advocate here, uh, because I have seen people use smartwatches for Like if you're a mom and you're holding your children and like you're trying like it's those things are useful, right? Yeah. These yeah. things are useful. But again, like you, we can live without these things. That's like that perceived need versus real need yep. and added benefit and everything. Also, I multiple people who listen to our podcast are uh, known Apple Watch users. So we love you. We see you. You're valuable. We don't.
0: We don't judge you. <laughs> we're not frowning you. upon you. We don't judge you because of your Apple can Watch. Can you
1: tell I'm a people pleaser? <laughs>
0: I think a great example, though, is noise canceling headphones. Mm. That is something that's been around forever, and for the longest time, I have just not gotten them, mostly because I'm like, I don't know if if it's worth it. If it's just more clutter, right? They
1: tend to be more expensive, or if
0: it, yeah, or if they're really something of value that I'm going to get good use out of.
1: But a child living with. Uh autism may find those noise-canceling headphones extremely useful and an actual need in their day-to-day life. Yep. Okay, moving on to our next part of the podcast, which I like to call Allie's version of Sponsored, Not sponsor. This episode is brought to you by With God Daily, the daily devotional for people who hate (laughs) daily devotionals. And if you're thinking, who could that be? That's me. I absolutely hate daily devotionals. But anyway, um... Sky Jatani is one of the co-hosts of The Holy Post, which I listen to every week, and he is a pastor, or was, I guess, um, in a previous life, but um, that's funny because I just mixed reincarnation with Christianity, which I thought was hilarious. That's not true. It's not. Those are conflicting religious uh, views. Anyway, he has a devotional series that he sends out daily, hence the name With God Daily, That for as low as $5 a month, which is what I pay, you can get his devotionals is completely tax deductible because it is a ministry and they're really thought provoking devotionals. And again, they're written for people who don't typically like the standard Devotionals, which I I just have never gotten into devotionals. Regardless, they're sponsoring this podcast. I'm going to read like a paragraph chunk of the one that I read this morning because I thought it was so so good. This whole month has been about a different. Are you trying to say something,
0: Sky? If you're listening, feel free to actually sponsor this podcast. Oh my gosh, uh, I would
1: or favor- come, so come hard. be
0: a come be a guest on our show. We know that you are great on the Holy Post and. We will welcome you onto our show for probably just one show.
1: Yeah, he's just too smart. We wouldn't be able to keep up with him. Anywho, actually, all this year, every week has been about different types of idols that we can have, and this week... Or I guess the last week or two has been the idol of politics, which has mm, been really good.
0: Politics, and so
1: I'm not going to read the. I mean, they're really pretty short. It's like a devotional; it has um, some scripture and then a weekly prayer. I'm not going to read the whole thing, and we'll link all this information in the show notes. So in the show notes, I'm not. Is, I'm not stealing it. I promise. A remarkable Stanford University study, co-authored in 2017, found that Americans now consider their political identity as more important. Than their race, religion, or ethnicity. The researchers coined a new word to describe this exaltation of partisan identification, partyism. Before you assume this is a new reality, the data says the trend toward partyism and political polarization in the U.S. has been evident for years. For example, in the 1960s, researchers asked Americans how they would feel if their child married someone from the opposite political party. Only 5% of Republicans and 4% of Democrats said they'd be upset. The study was repeated in 2010 and found 49% of Republicans and 33% of Democrats would object to a cross-party marriage. Over the last 50 years, even as Americans have become more tolerant of racial and religious diversity, we've grown less tolerant of political differences. I read that this morning and I was like, whoa, like that... If that is not telling of how bad it is right now, like from 4% to 44%, that's huge. Even over like decades, that's a very large change in like popular sentiment. Yep. Which first question, would you object to Jake marrying someone of the opposite political party? Which, to be clear, we don't belong to a political party.:
0: No, we're political littlest.
1: <laughs> we I, I mean, I consider myself politically homeless.
0: I am homeless.
1: so I guess that's a <laughs> that's a little bit different. I, I yeah, so I guess like I don't know what the opposite political party of us would be.:
0: but... I'm the political party of Christ.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> the lamb, not the donkey, not the elephant, but the lamb.:
0: You may be the lamb. I'm the political party of the lion. Okay,
1: okay, settle down. Um, I wouldn't care. I mean, I say that. I mean, I'm gonna. Pro- I'll probably have a problem no matter what because it's my currently only son getting married. So I'm sure I'll find a reason not to like the girl. But from a political standpoint, I'd like to think that I don't care. Truthfully, I don't know. We'll see what happens 20 plus years from now. Like, it, do you consider that a that big of a deal?
0: I think it's more important about certain stances and more about what that actually means for the day to day. Right, right, right. So when it comes to kind of going through that that hierarchy or those criteria for whether I would approve or disapprove, first and foremost, I would say that assuming that Jake comes to Christ when he is old and cognizantly mature enough to understand and accept Christ.
1: Equally yoked.
0: Yes, he needs to be equally yoked, meaning he has to find a, a Christ-loving woman. I think to that point, they need to be equally yoked on ideologies as well, so that they, at the very least, recognize and respect each other's views and opinions and can live peaceably with each other. I think for us, an example is hunting. And I was say we having, differ on
1: gun control and
0: having any type of of. Arms in the House.
1: To your point, I think it would be very difficult for a hardcore, like, card-holding Republican and a card-holding Democrat to have a healthy marriage.
0: Yeah, because at that point, I think ideologies would be disagreed upon, and it would be hard for people—and that may be today's climate, that people would not be able to recognize and respect each other because you can look at at something that should not be something that really shouldn't be divisive like helping the homeless
1: right or or like small government versus big government
0: well that i i can see being it's,
1: it's different but it should not be causing like scream matches
0: yeah like you shouldn't scream at each other over it but that those are things that i think if you find your identity in your political party, those are things that are going to be a problem.
1: To Sky's point, and I'm going to actually finish reading this, we really have, especially in in Christian America, we have really looped our religious identity with our political identity. And you could even say, like, even though there may be less religious people on the left, they do have a religious, like, fervor. With certain beliefs. And so there is kind of like a religiosity to both sides. And it's become very much like a label, an identifier of who I am is by who I vote for, which according to the research has not always been the case. So this is what he continues to say The Stanford researchers have an interesting explanation. "...social norms have made disparaging behavior and derogatory language toward other races, genders, and religions unacceptable. Thankfully, being overtly racist is now shameful in most of American society, but there are no corresponding pressures to moderate disapproval of political opponents," the study reports. In fact, the rhetoric and behavior of party leaders suggests to voters that it is perfectly acceptable to treat opponents with disdain. In the sense Individuals have greater freedom to discriminate against out-of-party supporters. Simply stated, politics is the one place in our society where hatred and disgust of the other is still accepted and even applauded. Now, I had a really interesting situation, and I'm going to be as vague as humanly possible to, like, be anonymous, but I was at a get-together with um, a group of women, and um, some I knew better than others, and we were shooting the breeze about the current home market situation where it's like crazy to buy a house right now like it's the prices are crazy the um supply is low there's a ton of people moving here from different states um for the better jobs and whatnot and there were two women who i've known for a while and so they were not joking they said that they would flat out refuse to sell their home to somebody from California, alluding to the fact that Californ- the majority of Californians are Democrats. And they were extremely aggressive in this assertion that they flat out refused to sell their property to somebody from California. But it just got me thinking of like, if we're at the point in American society where we are not willing to sell goods To someone of a different philosophy than us, like we are at a like that's a pretty bad spot. Like I can understand how someone would be like concerned about their child marrying somebody with some significant value differences, but if we're not even able to like work together in common society together, like that, it just gave me pause.
0: I think this adds almost more credibility to the idea that you. Don't talk about faith or politics at the dinner table.
1: Which I feel like that that used to be taboo and it's not anymore.
0: Because the way that I think about it is that with with Jake marrying somebody, I would the reason I would have trouble with them having differences in ideology, I think is almost more because I would need to see and respect and feel like his future spouse also respects us as the people who raised Jake. And if there wasn't that mutual respect and that mutual understanding, I would feel concerned for him. And I mean, they may have that mutual love and respect and understanding, and that would be fine. And it would all make sense. But I think that that is where, where that would come from, because if I can't have a civil conversation with somebody, then you can't really work with them. And I think that the problem is that if you go in thinking, oh, this person's a Democrat or a Republican or or a Green Party- Heaven forbid. Or an Independent, (laughs) then you have these preconceived notions. And if you're allowing those preconceived notions to impact the way you're going into that conversation and the way you're going into that work situation or whatever that time of you and that person trying to do something productive, that I think is where the problem lies. And that I think is probably more on you and and being able to not assume the worst in somebody. It could also easily be avoided by, not knowing that information about them,
1: well, and we talked about this a lot on the last podcast, but we really need to get to a point where we're we're looking at our common humanity, like there truly is a lot more that connects us than divides us. We unfortunately are in a world where companies make a ton of money off us fighting each other, yep. and so, yeah, if we continue to just look at the labels instead of looking at the person, it's, it's not going to get any better. To re- and to rephrase the original question, because religion is important to us, to be clear, if Jake was a Christian and was getting married to a fellow Christian who happened to have different political views, would you approve of the marriage or not? Really what, the, what this diva was talking about is that there's been a switch. The majority of Americans consider political views more important than religious convictions when it comes to spouses for their children. And that has been the switch over the decades.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that first and foremost is the religious views. That is what should take precedent. If God willing, Jake is in a right standing with God. And then if that's the case, I would expect his spouse to be as well. And at that point I would ask questions and I would be curious about things, but it also matters. Are you, are you a card holder? Do you go to the convention? Do you, do you volunteer for party XYZ or for representative XYZ? Or are you just You identify with more of their voting stances, and you just so happen to vote more often with one party or the other. Because I I think I voted for at least four or five different parties.
1: I would say, I think I voted for every single party before.
0: I know there's a few. There's like
1: one funky party, though. I feel like this shows up every so often that I may not have voted for.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but...
1: I do have a controversial opinion, though.
0: Okay, let's hear it.
1: I don't necessarily think that it's biblical for a Christian to be a card holding party member of any political party.
0: Yeah, I don't think so.
1: I feel like that would, our allegiance should be to Jesus. It should not be to man.
0: I will say, though, if there is somebody that you are for in terms of a specific person, I don't see anything wrong with volunteering for them no, or no, no. donating well, to their to that point, cause.
1: If you want to run for office, I'm, ass- I'm assuming you would have to be a card carrying member of that political party yeah, to run for office. Yeah, I don't know if office. you would have to be
0: a card carrier, but you would have to, if you wanted any real chance of winning, you would probably have to run Republican or Democrat. If you want any real chance of winning in Texas, you'd probably have to Wouldn't run a Republican. <laughs>
1: But if you're listening, Jake's future wife, run for the hills! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. We have high, we have un, un, we have unmeetable high standards. No, I, uh, I will be fine. Jake, hey, we'll be fine, Jacob. If you're listening and you have been called to live a life of singleness, we support you.
0: Yes, and to all our single friends who have been called to live a life of singleness.
1: Or in this season or forever. Or in
0: this season or forever. Hey, come on over. Have some pizza. We support you.
1: My throat just got really dry.
0: Yeah, I got a little tickle in the back the, of my throat. It's
1: high pollen count today.
0: My throat's getting tickled. You think it's the high pollen count? Oh,
1: no. I know for a fact it's the high pollen count. With that, I think it's time to uh, sign
0: off. Yep. I think we're, I think we're going to go. So, everybody, remember the morning brew talk to me if you want subscription
1: with god daily he doesn't do referral programs so so I'll this is see the not, link in the show notes this
0: is not a real sponsorship and everybody everybody who listens to this podcast come hang out all right uh talk to y'all later Bye-bye. bye